Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. We are continuing our Life Begins When We Live series, and today I'm opening up Life Begins When We Live confidently. And I want to start with a little confession. I want to be honest and open with you. Um, if you're in Life Central Youth, you might be aware of a story that I tell quite often about 10 or 15 years ago when Laura and I managed to get into uh, Stamford Bridge, which is Chelsea's ground. Um, when it was all locked up, there was one door left open and I managed to get, get in and get into the ground when I wasn't supposed to be there. And this has uh, become something that's given me confidence that whenever I'm outside a football stadium, I'm always confident that something will have been left unlocked, that there'll be a way in that they think is all locked up and I can get in um, without getting into trouble um, too much. And um, Recently, we were on holiday in Italy. We did a little road trip uh, through through the west coast of Italy um, and we had a great time. We spent a few days in Rome and it was brilliant and we were traveling from Rome to Siena uh, to spend the, the, the kind of next couple of days in Siena and um, I noticed that on our route out of Rome we were going past the Olympic Stadium which is where uh, Roma and Lazio play, it's where the Olympics was held uh, a number of years ago. It also just so happens to be the same ground that Liverpool won two of their six European Cups. Now that's important to me. Um, It's kind of like part of my heritage. Um, And so I said to Laura, look, we've got to stop here. We've got to stop and have a little look around the ground um, so I can, you know, get some pictures and all that too. So we stopped and we had a little look around the ground, which you can see here. Here's me looking cool, standing outside uh, the Olympic Stadium. And then um, I went and stood next to the sign that said Olympic Stadium and did the whole six times because I'm an absolute loser. Um, But I did it anyway to remind everybody that Liverpool have won the European Cup six times, just in case she'd forgotten anyone um, and it, I took this and I was happy I'd seen everything and then I began to do what I normally do outside a locked football ground this is so scouse um, I, I began to look for a way in and that gate next to us there I began to look at that and Laura could see what I was doing and I thought to myself do you know what Andy you like you work for a church it will not look good if you end up in an Italian prison tonight So I thought to myself, I'm only going to try one gate. I will only try one gate. If it's locked, I will leave it. If it's open, if it's unlocked, I will take that as a sign from the Lord that I should proceed. So I tested this one gate. This is not a lie. I tested one gate. That gate was left unlocked. I turned and looked to Laura, and Laura began to look at me like I was in trouble. She then started to talk to me like I was our dog. She was going, Andy... No. Andy, stop. Andy, sit. She started telling me off. And I'm saying to Laura, Laura, all we need to do is go through this gate and walk confidently. If we look like we're supposed to be here, nobody will question us. Laura's going, no, no, Andy, you can't. Andy, stop it. Andy, you work for a church. And I'm going, Laura, all we have to do is just be confident. Just take my hand, come with me. She's saying, no, no, no. I said, Laura, would you rather wait outside and wonder what's happened to me or come along with me for the ride? And I got that look as if to say, 
I know you're right. I should come with you. So I grabbed Laura's hand and I was just saying, just be confident. Just be confident. We walked through this car park up the stairs and we were in the ground and we weren't supposed to be there. But we got into the Olympic Stadium and we're looking around. I'm having a great time. And I decided I'm going to take a video and I'm going to show you this video because this video shows you how confident I am because I've got my phone out and I'm just videoing it. But how unconfident Laura was. Have a look at this video. I'll talk you through it. So that's the stadium. They were setting up for a concert at the time, so that's why all that is there. And I'm loving it. I'm enjoying the view. And then you're about to see how much Laura was enjoying this moment. Not confident at all. You see, when it comes to being outside a football stadium, when it comes to these moments, I have confidence that, A, I'll get in, and confidence that if I act confidently enough, nobody will question me. Laura is the complete opposite in that moment. But I think for all of us, confidence is something that we crave, that we want to live confidently. And whether you're somebody who's sat there going, do you know what, I'm definitely a person who lacks confidence. Or maybe you're the kind of person that is, is able to fake confidence like I do in football stadiums. and You're able to kind of fake it till you make it kind of vibe. But I think the thing that we all want, that our culture craves, is, is confidence. It's almost like the, the most important characteristic is confidence. And, and I think often our culture builds confidence. And, and we and, and I base our confidence on things that are unstable. Things like our finance. Things like our job security. Things like our appearance. Things like our social media accounts. You know, so often on social media, basically, the more likes that you get, the more confidence that you can be and you know I was watching um, the the documentary this week on iPlayer of Jesse Nelson the girl from Little Mix which it's it's not as like geeky as it sounds that I was watching a documentary about Little Mix um, but it's all it's all about what had happened to her off the back of winning the X Factor and the basically she was like attacked and bullied by online trolls of people writing awful things about her on the internet and telling her that she was fat and ugly and that she should go and kill herself absolutely awful stuff that had gone on to this girl and just her sharing her story and and all all kind of went on around it and what I found interesting was. As the documentary began to turn towards the end, she started to talk about where she was putting her confidence and where she was building her confidence. And she was starting to talk about her appearance and how she could post on social media and people would say nice things to her now. And, and I kind of sat there and I'm not having a go at Jessie Nelson, not at all. Like I say, what she went through was horrific. But it kind of highlighted to me that actually what we put our confidence in so often is things that are unstable. And we put our confidence in ourselves. And actually, when we, when we look at the guys in the early church in the book of Acts, we see that these guys and girls were confident people. And we're going to look at a, a bit in Acts 4, in, in Acts chapter 4. And if you haven't got a Bible with you, don't panic. It's going to be on the screen. And the, the context to this story is that um, James and John, no, Peter and John, um, Peter and John, they, um, they were pulled before the Sanhedrin. It's basically like the religious leaders at the time. And um, they, just, they just healed a, a lame man outside the temple. And people were gathering and a crowd were coming. They were beginning to do a bit of teaching. And they, they pulled before the, the leaders at the time and questioned um, for what was going on. And we, we're going to read it together in verse 1 and 2. And what we're going to do is I'm going to pull out some things that I think Peter and John were confident in. 
um, and then talk about how we can be confident in those things as well. And it says this, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees. Now, the, the Sadducees were a group of people who were never happy because they were sad, you see. See what I did there? Hashtag Bible bants. <laughs> uh, the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. You see, the first thing that Peter and John were confident in is they were confident in what had happened. You can easily read through the book of Acts and be intimidated by the disciples' confidence. They have just an absurd confidence that they declare who Jesus is and they declare the resurrection with a real confidence. And it's easy to read it and go, I could never, ever do that. In fact, a few years ago, I, um, I was sat at a comedy club and listening to this comedian um, with Laura, my wife, and this guy, randomly in the middle of his set, just went, are there any Christians in the room? And I thought, there is no way I'm putting my hand up here. I was like, I do not have the confidence to sit in a dark room and argue with a comedian on stage who's got a microphone. I thought, I'm keeping my hand down. I looked to my right, Laura was like this. I was like, put your hand down. And Laura's then giving me a dirty look saying, Andy, you work for a church. Why haven't you got your hand up? You see, in that moment, I didn't have confidence that I could declare what Jesus did. I, I bottled it in that moment, but the disciples, they never bottle it in the book of Acts. They have real confidence in who Jesus is and what has happened. And they're confident in what they're talking about. They're declaring the resurrection of Jesus. Remember, this is a group of fellows who literally saw Jesus dead on a cross. Then three or four days later, had breakfast with him on a beach. That would give you confidence that the resurrection was real. They had confidence that they could speak about it and share about it because they had lived it. And, you know, we, I, I want us to be confident in the resurrection. You know, Andy Stanley said this. He says, the resurrection is not a belief that grew up in the early church. It is the belief around which the early church grew. See, they, they were confident. It wasn't just in, you know, their confidence wasn't just in who Jesus was and what he could do. It was what they'd seen him do. And, you know, Jesus predicted his own death and resurrection, managed to pull it off. Like, they could clearly have confidence in him. But pre-resurrection, they weren't that confident. If you read it, when Jesus is dead and in the tomb, they're running around like headless chickens, panicking, thinking, what on earth have I built my life on in the last three years? Is Jesus really who he said he was? But they see him resurrected and they go, yeah, he was. And he is. And they have confidence in that. You see, if the resurrection is true, it should absolutely change everything. And, you know, one of the biggest pieces of evidence for the resurrection is the disciples' actions. Because what you have confidence in you can act upon. And they act upon that confidence in the resurrection. You know, um, there's a quote uh, from a guy called Charles Colson, and he says this. I think it's been used a number of times, but it just fits so well. So he says, I know the resurrection is a fact, and Watergate scandal proved it to me. Watergate scandal is a political scandal from a number of years ago. He says, how? Because 12 men testified that they had seen Jesus raised from the dead. Then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. They would not have endured that if it weren't true. Watergate scandal embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep alive for three weeks. You're telling me that 12 apostles could keep alive for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. We can have confidence 
in the resurrection. And the resurrection changes everything. And if you want to look into it more, there's a, there's a book by Lee Strobel. It's called The Case for the Resurrection. It's a brilliant book that almost presents like a legal case for uh, evidence for the resurrection. It's brilliant. It's a really good book worth reading into it. But if you want to explore things like the resurrection and things like Christian, the Christian faith, you can do that. Our Alpha course uh, starts properly tomorrow. You could do that. You can come in and explore the Christian faith and ask questions and say, why can I have confidence in the resurrection. Why can I have confidence in Jesus? We would love you to come along and do that. But if you're a Christian, I want to challenge you. Does your own life reflect confidence in the resurrection? Do you have confidence in what's happened so that you can act upon it? We're going to move on to verse 3. It says, they seized Peter and John and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there. And so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other, others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name do you do this? You see, the second thing that they had confidence in is they had confidence in the power they carry. And, you know, it's almost like the, the, the leaders, the Sanhedrin are saying, who on earth do you think you are? Who do you think you are that you can teach like this? Who do you think you are that you can say these things? Um, I've got a friend who's kind of like a minor celebrity. I'm quite, uh, I quite like being associated with him. But he's a, he's a really good friend of mine. And he's a, he's a rapper. He's an MC. And he works uh, with a drum and bass DJ called Wilkinson, who's not linked to the shop Wilkinson. Um, but he, he goes around the world and goes around the country and performing at gigs and performing at, at like nightclubs and stuff like that. And my mate basically stands in front of the DJ and goes, yo, get your hands up and all this kind of stuff. But he's actually, he's one of the best in the industry. And I'm really proud of him because I think he's brilliant at what he does because uh, I've seen other people do it and I've thought, you're not as good as my mate. And uh, what's great is whenever he's in the area, whenever he's doing something big, he'll text me and he'll say, Andy, do you, do, you want, do you want to come along to this? Do you want to come along to this event? Do you want to come along to this festival? I can get you on the guest list. And I love it. I absolutely love it because, you know, he, he booked us onto this um, thing on New Year's Eve and a few years ago he's got us into festivals. And what's great is there's a big line of people with normal queues and I can walk past all the peasants and go straight to the front of the queue and get into the VIP and get backstage tickets. Why? I can walk to the front with confidence because I'm carrying his name. I get to the front and I say to the guy, I'm with Adam. And they let me in. And I can have confidence in that because of the name that I'm carrying and that gives me access. Do you know, if you're a Christian, you carry the name of Jesus and Jesus gives you access to unbelievable power. And Peter and John knew whose name they carried and what access that gave them. In fact, they say it in verse 10, it says, Then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. They're talking about the man that they'd healed in the chapter before. And I want you to know if you're a Christian, you have got Christ in you. In fact, uh, 
Peter and John have got a mate called Paul, and he wrote lots of the New Testament, and he was a really clever, intelligent guy, and he wrote this in, uh, in the book of Colossians. It says, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, which is basically people who aren't Christians, the, the glorious riches, riches, not Richards, <laughs> the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of of glory. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, if you're, if you're a Christian this morning, you need to know that you have Christ in you, and that's the hope of glory. That means when you go to school tomorrow, when you go to college, when you go to university, when you go to your workplace tomorrow, when you're in your home, you are a carrier of hope. You represent Jesus. Christ is in you, and that is the hope of glory. And in fact, to help you understand the, the more of the power that you can be confident in, Paul wrote uh, in another book, in the book of Ephesians, he wrote this, and this is from the Amplified Version, which is the Bible, but just a little bit louder. Um, it's not. It's basically the Bible with more adjectives and more descript descriptions, and um, it just words it so brilliantly here. It says, and I pray that the eyes of your heart, the very center and core of your being may be enlightened, flooded with the light of, by the Holy Spirit, so that you will know and cherish the hope, the divine guarantee, the confident expectation to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, God's people. And so that you will begin to know what the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his active spiritual power is in us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of his mighty strength, which he produced in Christ when he raised them from the dead and seated them at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Basically what this verse is saying is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that did the resurrection that we can have confidence in, is at work in and through you if you call yourself a Christian. That means that when you go into the place that you will be tomorrow, you have the same power at work in you and through you that raised Jesus from the dead. That means that you can have confidence in the power that you carry. You can have confidence that when you pray for people, when you pray for the person who sits on the desk next to you or a colleague in the staff room, that God will move in power because you are a carrier of the power and the hope of God. And you know, Peter and John had that confidence, um, and they had the confidence, and because they had that confidence, they could act upon it. You know, there's a, a friend of mine who used to run a pub, and basically he used to spend his time pulling pints and talking to people about Jesus. It's a great job, and he, uh, he spent time talking to this one lady and got to know her story, and basically she revealed that she used to be a witch. She used to operate in dark forces and get involved in stuff like that and um, she said to him she said look whenever we were doing the things that we did she said we always knew who the Christians were because all the Christians would glow isn't that encouraging isn't that great if you're a Christian you glow you glow you you carry the hope of glory and you shine but then she said this she said the thing was we always knew that their power was greater than the power that we had but we always knew that Christians didn't know how to use it properly. Wow. That should be a challenge to you if you're a Christian. Do you know the power that you have? Do you have confidence in the power that you carry so that you can act upon it? The third thing that they were confident in is that they had confidence in who Jesus is. It says this in 11 to 12. It says, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. 
Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. You see, Peter and John were confident that Jesus was the only way to be saved. He was the only saviour that existed. And, you know, it's interesting that they used the word cornerstone, and we're going to sing the song Cornerstone later on in the service. But according to Wikipedia, it says the cornerstone is the first stone set in the construction of a masonry foundation. All other stones will be set in reference to this stone, thus determining the position of the entire structure. You see, Peter and John, they knew that Jesus, nothing else could save like Jesus, and they knew that um, they had confidence in him and everything in the world would be set to him. And if you don't believe me, if you don't agree with me, have a look at your watch, have a look at your phone and tell me the date. Today's date is the 22nd of September, 2019 AD, Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. We literally set our watches to Jesus you can have confidence in who Jesus is. He is the cornerstone. And, you know, we here, we firmly believe in our church and, and as Christians that Jesus is the only way to be saved. We believe that if, if everybody in the world, if your friends and family who don't yet know Jesus, if you don't know Jesus here this morning, we firmly believe that if you set Jesus as the cornerstone of your life, your life would be better off for it. Not perfect, not totally safe, but better off because Jesus is the cornerstone who you can build your life upon. That's why I invite my friends and family who don't know Jesus. That's why I do what I do because I firmly believe that Jesus is the cornerstone. I have confidence in it, so I act upon it. The fourth thing that the disciples and the Peter and John had confidence in was in their experience. It says in verse 14, no, verse 13, it says this, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. You see, I love the Bible sometimes. It just throws a little big bit of shade at these boys, saying they were unschooled, ordinary men. Basically, they were a little bit thick. But they were astonished at their courage because these two lads who hadn't been to school, who were a little bit thick, had real confidence in who Jesus is. Because what they were doing is they were, had confidence in their experience and therefore they were acting upon it. You know, um, their experience of Jesus gave them that confidence and they were just sharing what they knew to be true in their experience. You know, they knew that they'd spent time with Jesus so they could be confident in that. You know, when we spend more time with Jesus, when we spend more time in his presence, that builds our confidence in him. And they go on to say in, in, in verse 18, basically, they get, get, get the kind of judgment off the Sanhedrin. And they say to them, they, they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. And you might read that and think, that's quite intimidating because I really can help about speaking about my faith. I'm really terrified about speaking it. You know, the thought of somebody asking me in school or college or uni or work about why I go to church and why I call myself a Christian, that strikes fear into your heart and you think, I can absolutely help that. And you know, so many times I think we as Christians, we, we overcomplicate what it means to share our faith. 
I think we put too much pressure on ourselves on, on sharing our faith. And Peter, Peter just shares from his experience because he's got confidence in that. You know, he goes, Peter goes on to write his own book in the Bible, and it's creatively called One Peter. And he says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. You see, Peter's saying we need to be prepared, that we need to be ready to give a reason. And what Peter's not saying in this moment is that we need to become a preacher. He's not saying that we need to understand 100% of the Bible and to be able to explain the concept of predestination. He's not saying that at all. You see, it's really easy to read that and panic and miss the end of the verse. We can read, be ready, be ready to give a reason, but actually we can miss the end of the verse that says, give the reason for the hope that you have. You see, Peter's saying, simply do what he did. Just share your experience, share the experience that you are confident in. Maybe I can explain it like this. You know, when I when I go on holiday, when I come home from holiday, people always ask, how, how was it? You know, when you go on holiday, people ask you, how was it? And, you know, when we went to Rome and um, we had a great time, when I come back, people are asking me lots of questions and they're asking me, how was it? Did I enjoy it? All that kind of stuff. And, you know, they're not asking me for TripAdvisor reviews. They're not asking me what Barbara from Blackpool thought of the Coliseum. They're not asking me how much I paid for a pizza. They're not asking me how many steps it took me to get from our Airbnb to the Coliseum. What they're asking is how did it make me feel? Did I enjoy it? Did I have a good time? Would I recommend it to them? And you see, we, we do that with our experiences. We do that with restaurants. And yet when it comes to sharing our faith about, about, and, and about Jesus, like, we overcomplicate it and we panic. And actually, what people are asking us is just, how did that make you feel? You can be confident in your experience. You see, you don't have to explain everything like Jonah and the whale and Noah and the ark and all that stuff. All you, all you need to know is about your life, your story, and your journey with God. Let me put it like this, and I've used this before, but you don't have to know everything to share something. You might not know everything about God. I don't know everything about God, or I can't explain everything, but... I can share something. I can share my experience because I can have confidence in that. The fifth thing as the, as the band uh, come up is they are confidence in the power of prayer. You see, what happens is, is they get this judgment and they get told they're not allowed to preach and they go back essentially to their connect group, to their people that support them, they're the people that are their support network. And it says this, in uh, verse 23, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. And then it goes on to later say, now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. You know, in a situation like this, I would probably pray, God, would you make it stop? God, would you make the baddies go away? God, would you take me away from this awful situation? But they get together, they get in a huddle, they get to their connect group and they sit around and they go, we're going to pray for strength in this situation we're not going to pray that we run away. We've got confidence in the power of prayer that when we pray, God will give us the strength 
that we need. And, you know, I remember as a kid, my parents were part of the leadership team of my church growing up, and we were at this kind of leaders and their families lunch. It was really boring. Um, but it was... It, got made exciting by what happened next because um, one of the other leaders, a guy called Alan, he started to choke on a piece of meat. And um, it was interesting because everybody panicked. Alan stood up and like started coughing. And um, my mum, who's qualified first aider, she ran out the room as quick as she could, which was really helpful. Um, but my dad leapt into action. He dived across the table. Broccoli was flying everywhere. And he got up, he stood on a chair, and he started slapping Alan on the back to try and dislodge the meat. And everybody, like, there was, like, chaos. And all of a sudden, silence happened as Alan went. And he just spat this disgusting piece of meat out onto the table. And it was only at that point that I took in the whole room of what had happened. And my mum wasn't there anymore. But I noticed a lady called Linda. And Linda, straight away, she dropped to her knees to pray. See, she had confidence in the power of prayer, that she could act upon it instantly. Now, I wonder what would have happened if it had just been Alan and Linda. I don't think the prayer can do that harmless manoeuvre, but we'll, we'll gloss over that. Um, you see, Linda had power, had confidence in the power of prayer, and she acted upon it. And, you know, when you have confidence in prayer, you can act upon it. You know, I've been praying for and inviting uh, somebody along for, for a, a little while now, and they've never actually come along to stuff. I've invited them a number of times to Christmas and Easter. They, they've not come, and it's, it's a guy who provides some stuff for us that we uh, use in youth on a Friday night. And um, I've had a number of conversations with him and just continued to pray for him. And just last week, I, uh, he was down on the youth floor setting up for something, and I went into the basement on our youth floor, and I walked in and one of the Phase Trust staff members was stood there praying for this guy. And this guy was in floods of tears. And I thought to myself, that's the power of prayer. That I prayed for it. That I've been praying for him, that God's moving. He didn't fall to his knees and say, what must I do to be saved? But God's doing something in his life. And you know, I don't know why God answers some prayers and God heals some people and doesn't heal others that's probably one of the big questions that I'll have for God when I get to heaven or maybe I should go on the Alpha course and ask that question myself but what I do know and I have confidence in is that prayer makes a difference that's why I pray that's why I get together with my connect group and we pray for each other and we pray together that's why every week we have a prayer space available at the end of every service because we believe and have confidence in the power of prayer and so it would be hollow of me to talk about having confidence in stuff that and not and being able to act upon it if I didn't do it now so what I, I want to do is take a moment for us to respond because I really love what happens right at the end of this this passage it says after they prayed the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly or confidently I would love us to spend a moment, church, of just praying that the Holy Spirit would come and give us the confidence that we might be able to speak the Word of God boldly. So I want to invite you to stand to your feet. And we're just going to take a moment to, to do that. I'm not going to do anything weird. I'm just going to invite God to come and move by the power of His Holy Spirit. And we're, going to, we're just going to wait. And I'm not going to say anything because I've probably said enough. And give God a chance to, to speak to you himself so whether you want to close your eyes and hold your hands out in front of you and we're just going to pray God I pray that you would come and move 
by your Holy Spirit. We invite you to come and speak to us now. We wait for you, God. feel like God's meeting with you, ignore me, keep focusing on Jesus, but I want to give an opportunity for anyone who doesn't yet call themselves a Christian, that you would say you haven't put your confidence and built your life on the cornerstone of who Jesus is, I want to give you an opportunity to do that, and here's how we're going to do it in a moment, I'm going to ask you to put your hand up so I know who I'm praying for, and I want to pray for you and I'm not going to embarrass you and drag you up to the front and interview you. I'm not going to do anything like that. I just want to pray for you as you begin to put your confidence in who Jesus is. And then I want to invite you when the service finishes to come down to our prayer space and um, some of our team there would love to chat to you, would love to uh, kind of unpack the decision that you've made. And we would love to give you a, a booklet that's called the Journey Booklet. And in that, that will help you to begin to build your confidence in who Jesus is as you begin to live uh, a life that is built on the cornerstone of who Jesus is. So if if that's you, I, I want to ask everybody to close their eyes and um, bow their heads just to make it a nice and comfortable environment. If that's you and you want to say yes to Jesus for the first time today, that you want to say, I want to become a Christian, I want to follow Jesus, I want to build my life on the cornerstone, and I want to invite you to stick your hand in the air so that I can see it. That's great. Thank you. Great. Anyone else? Fantastic. You can put your hand down. I'm going to pray. God, I thank you for that one person that's responded this morning to say they're going to put their confidence in you. God, I thank you that we can have confidence in who you are and that we can act upon it and we can build our lives on the cornerstone of who you are. God, I thank you for your death and your resurrection, that you paid the price, but you didn't just pay the price, that you defeated death for each and every one of us so that we might have a relationship with you. So God, I pray for all of us that we, that life might really begin when we begin to live confidently, God, that we might have the confidence to act upon it. God, would you grow confidence for each and every one of us? Maybe just one certain point stuck out for us. God, I pray that you would help us to put our confidence in you in that specific challenge. God, I pray as we sing this song now that you would, um, that it would almost be like a declaration. As we sing, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. God, I pray that that would almost be like a declaration over our lives, over our weeks. God, I pray that you might do incredible things as we live lives that are confident, not confident in ourselves, but confident in you and what you have already done for us. In your mighty name, amen. We're going to sing Cornerstone together, so join us as we sing.